welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Peter Rosha, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. Welcome to our Greener Arbitrations podcast mini-series, a platform where Reed Smith's international arbitration lawyers will be exploring the legal and technical issues involved in reducing the environmental footprint of arbitrations. I am Alison Eslick, an international arbitration lawyer at Reed Smith's Dubai office. And I am Vanessa Tiffry, an international arbitration lawyer at Reed Smith's Paris office. In these episodes, we will hear from leading arbitration practitioners and external speakers and discuss insights, news, and trends relevant to greening arbitration and the challenges that are entailed. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of Arbitral Insights, Reed Smith's podcast channel. I'm Alice Neslik, a senior associate in Reed Smith's Dubai office, and I'm here with Vanessa Tiffry, a senior associate in our Paris office. And we are delighted to host another episode of our Greener Arbitrations mini-series. So for those of you who have tuned in to our first two podcasts, you will already know that in 2022, Reed Smith launched an initiative to reduce the environmental footprint of our arbitrations. Now, we quickly identified the need to raise awareness, both internally and externally, and organising a podcast mini-series on Greener Arbitrations seemed a great way to do that. So this is the third episode of our 2023 Greener Arbitration series, Out of Six, in which lawyers of Reed Smith debate how to reduce the environmental footprint of our arbitration practice. So just as a reminder, in the two first episodes, we addressed arbitration agreements and whether they should include sustainability measures and the campaign for Greener Arbitration's model green procedural order and whether it was unavoidable. If you haven't listened to them yet, they are available on Reed Smith's podcast channel, Arbitral Insights. In this episode, we focus on submissions and more precisely, hard copy submissions. Hard copy submissions, along with their exhibits, have definitely been paper consuming, especially when set to all members of the tribunal, the other party, the institution, when there was one, of course, and at times, even clients needed a copy too for their records. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced us to change our habits in this regard, and submissions are more and more frequently made in electronic form only. So in this episode, our lawyers debate whether hard copy submissions are a thing of the past, with one lawyer answering in the affirmative and the second in the negative. Now, look, we do have a short disclaimer. Please forgive us. We are lawyers. So for the purposes of these podcasts, our debaters have been assigned the positions that they are advocating. Now, this is because we felt that the topics would be better explored if participants could fully advocate their position whilst, you know, putting their personal views aside. So the debaters are thus role-playing and none of the views expressed during the debates should be attributed to any of the individuals participating or Reed Smith, or indeed any of our clients. With that said, Vanessa, let's start. So after short statements as to whether yes or no, hard copy submissions are a thing of the past, our debaters will address a number of themes. 
Our first speaker up is Soham Pachamiyap. Soham is an associate in our Dubai office who focuses on regulatory work and disputes with a particular focus on tech and Web3. He is also a part of our Energy and Natural Resources group. Soham, what do you think? Why do hard copy submissions still have a future? Thanks, Vanessa. So there are a few different reasons why hard copy submissions continue to have a future and need to be kept around for the foreseeable future. And the number one reason is actually a point that I think most people don't quite realize, which is the energy cost. I'd like to specify that for the purpose of this debate, the question is around hard copy submissions and not all documentation. I'm certainly not advocating a position where we should all be printing out every last email and every last bit of correspondence. But for hard copy submissions, these are documents that in a disputes proceedings, we go back to over and over and over again, particularly when we're running large cross-border complex proceedings with numerous submissions and statements and the like. We go back to them over and over again. As a result of that, every time you go back to refer to this submission, if it's purely in electronic form, you are consuming electricity, you are consuming power in turning on your laptop, your computer, and depending on the CPU that you're using, for many of us, if we're not working from home and we're working from the office, it's usually a multi-screen setup and a CPU that has the powering capacity to power that. And for those of us who are working at home, there's usually a similar kind of setup now at home for most people. So actually, the energy cost in going back over and over again to refer to this documentation online leads to a much, much higher carbon footprint than the singular cost of printing it out, putting it into a bundle, and then referring to it hundreds of times afterwards, as many times as you need it, because the cost, the carbon footprint cost of it has been recorded in a singular instance. Oh, look, Soham, thank you very much for this thoughtful argument. I mean, I certainly have a core bundle of my submissions that I refer to, as you say, hundreds of times. So I think that argument is going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. Um, You make a really good point about the energy cost. So let's see what our second debater, Erwin Robert, has to respond to this. Now, Erwin is a senior associate in the Energy and Natural Resources Group in Paris, and he specialises in construction arbitration. Erwin will advocate that hard copy submissions are indeed a thing of the past. So over to you, Erwin. Thank you, Alison. Um, First, I'd like to start with a statement. We need to save the environment. Um, And in order to do so, uh, every gesture counts. We all know that arbitration proceedings involve a large volume of documents to be reviewed, long submissions, countless exhibits, witness statements, expert reports, and printing all these documents for opposing party as well as the uh, members of the arbitral tribunal involves a significant volume of paper, trees cut down, and sending those across the globe also uh, involve a heavy carbon footprint. Even if the paper is coming from responsible resources, uh, this means cutting down trees quicker than uh, they can be replanted. My position is that hard copies are no longer required in the post-COVID world and they've become a thing of the past. In terms of energy, the energy is already consumed when you turn on your computer and you work on the submissions. Most of the time, the exhibit and documents to be reviewed, uh, provided by the client, are done so in PDF format, so it's already the electronic format. 
you're already using energy to review them and uh, draft your submissions. So I don't really think that's an argument. Instead, relying only on electronic electronic submissions, you save the cost of printing paper and sending those documents across the globe. So hopefully hard copy submissions are a thing of the past or they are about to be. Thank you, Erwin. After these short presentations, let's turn to the first theme that we have identified. And this theme is security and authenticity of submissions. So, Ham, what kind of guarantees do hard copy submissions offer as compared to locked electronic submissions? Thanks, Vanessa. So, the main point here is the question of hacking. Now, while Erwin and I have the great privilege of working at a wonderful law firm like Reed Smith, and many of our contemporaries and colleagues work at similar kinds of law firms in the city, where our law firms can afford extremely high quality protections and firewalls and security protocols to protect our files. Majority of people that are engaging in these kinds of disputes may not be working with law firms like Reed Smith or their equivalent. And these law firms don't have the internal infrastructure to protect data and electronic information in quite the same way. The benefit of hard copy submissions is that once this has been printed, a protocol can be put into place to remove this information or put it into a secure location to ensure that that fear or risk of hacking or data theft doesn't come to pass. And moreover, hard copy submissions can also be used quickly for easy verification for alterations, signatures, annotations, an important point that comes up very, very often when there are long form disputes going on about the usability of the evidence put before a tribunal. Thanks, Soham. I mean, what you say is quite compelling. Um, there certainly have been even some high-profile cases of law firms um, and barristers' chambers who have been uh, hacked in recent years. So I think it's not just the smaller firms that are at risk, even uh, even bigger firms uh, who have those uh, security measures in place. They are also at risk of hacking these days. But on the other hand, I would venture that leaving a paper trail is not always uh, secure. So, Erwin, what do you think? Thank you, Alison. First and foremost... And, you know, that's that's living, you know, in our day and age, but most of our clients provide documents in the electronic format, so they already exist in the electronic format. Usually we get them through a um, secured link with passwords and own login details, so there's traceability there. In terms of security, once a document is printed, it can be misplaced, or even when uh, filing submissions and sending them by post or couriers, they can be misplaced or lost, and they can then be duplicated, copied, and anyone can have access to them. When you're using secured platforms, you know that, no. I mean, it's of course, it's happened that sometimes the law firm is hacked, but it's harder to hack electronic documents than just steal a paper, uh, paper submission, or if you misplace it on the bus, the train, a taxi, that's happened before. So I think electronic versions offer more security and more confidentiality than hard copies. Thank you, Erwin. 
I would add that also it has happened that uh, documents get lost in transport itself. So that's also something that is worth highlighting. Another point that you touched upon is uh, that there are means to secure electronic submissions. And Sohan, I would be very interested in your take on this. What I would say is that hard copy documents getting lost, by and large, has proven to be a very, very tiny percentage. And that these sort of things, when properly mailed out to wherever they may be going to, can be tracked. Whereas an electronic hack is actually 10 times more common. Um, it happens much more often and it is a real concern because majority of the law firms don't have the security infrastructure. Document protecting, passport protecting a couple of documents that may be key or sensitive doesn't quite cover the overall risk that gets created with electronic uh, copies of documents being kept wholesale and not being managed with a protocol. When it comes to accessibility and uh, convenience at the end of the day, hard copy documents are much more convenient and accessible to most people. It's for this reason that even in proceedings today that have largely started moving over to an electronic format where documents are required to be bundled electronically, there's still always a situation where council, parties, tribunal members will have their own section of the pleadings and the documents in hard copy format because electronic referrals are simply not convenient and constant reading on a screen creates additional problems for everybody involved. So that is something that electronic copies of submissions simply can't do away with. Thank you, Soham. I mean, I, I have to say, yes, looking at a screen, sometimes I don't pick up everything when I'm looking at a screen and I think having hard copy submissions um, can eliminate errors help people to understand uh, you know what they're reading which is often very very complex and they have to get across it very very quickly particularly in a hearing so Erwin what do you say to Soham on these points thank you Alison first I'd like to point out that even if you know it's easier to read hard copies which I will admit uh, it's also more cost effective to search for keywords when you're looking for something very specific in, I don't know, 500 pages long submissions. Uh, so it's also very efficient using the electronic format. Again, most of the time, the documents we will get from the clients are already in the electronic format. So it's just using the same documents. And I think also one of the big uh, arguments in favor of electronic submissions is choice. When you have submissions in electronic format, you can decide which documents you will print and which you will not. There is no such choice if the submissions are already hard copies. You get everything, including all the documents you will not be reading because you know that they are a distraction and you would have only read uh, on your computer. So I think, uh, again, electronic submissions, they offer a choice, a choice to print or not to print. And that is the question. Thank you, Erwin. I really like that choice argument, which is quite compelling in my opinion. Let's move on quickly to our th second theme, accessibility and convenience, starting again with Soham. Soham, the floor is yours. Thanks, Vanessa. I think we already got into the points on accessibility and convenience. Ultimately, it's the position taken that 
it's just simply a lot easier to refer to hard copy submissions now. Irwin did make a very, very compelling point in that with an electronic copy, you can just do a keyword search. And when you're dealing with you know a single pleading that's 500 plus pages long, or uh, you're dealing with a witness statement that refers to other things, a keyword search can help save a lot of time when you're trying to jump through things. I would counter that point to mention the fact that that's when you are doing a keyword search within a document to try and look for a very specific point. It doesn't necessarily take away from the value of the hard copy submission, which actually Alison even touched upon. And this is more of a practice point where when you're in the hearing or when you're in the middle of prep and going through that hard copy submission, it goes a lot faster and the information for whatever intangible reason tends to sink in a lot better when you're dealing with hard copy submissions than when you're dealing with electronic. And I believe there have been some scientific studies and such that have come out to prove the fact that when you're reading in hard copy, things tend to seep in and you pick up on issues a lot faster than when you're dealing with an electronic, an electronically readable format of a document where we just don't pick up on things as much. So, Ham, very well said. I mean, I was just thinking, what on earth did we do before keyword searches? <laughs> it would have been a much uh, much harder way to practice. It's so convenient. Uh, so, Erwin, uh, what do you say to this? Thank you, Alison. Well, um, I think it's a matter of practice and developing new habits. Uh, we've been used to reading on paper because we used to print pretty much everything and most of it ended in the recycling bin. Now we can not do that and review on screens, be it your laptop or you know a mobile uh, device that you can carry with you. During hearings, going through paper uh, submissions, it's noisy, it's distracting for the arbitral tribunal. Searching for documents on your computer, uh, verifying information and then raising the point, you can go to the exact hard copy document if need be. And I think that's a good advantage, you know, trying to keep the arbitral tribunal focused on what's happening and not distracting them with, you know, flipping, I don't know how many pages trying to find that sentence. Thank you, Erwin. Another theme that we would like to touch upon is that of equal access to technology. And maybe, Soham, you could start off with this theme also. Thanks, Vanessa. And yes, this is um, quite an important one, I think, which is that for a lot of people in different parts of the world where arbitration is conducted and proceedings are conducted, because the topic itself doesn't limit itself to international arbitration, it just talks about submissions. And we tend to forget that majority of submissions that are made in proceedings are made in court proceedings where in most nations in the world, expecting the courts, the judges, counsel on both sides and parties to have the privilege of having the technology and the hardware available for electronic submissions at every part of the process is quite astronomical. In many parts of the world, there is intermittent access to electricity and power. There is intermittent access to the internet. And if information is not stored within the hardwiring of, say, for example, a laptop carried or in some, if it's in some kind of cloud, there's always a very real risk of 
one party or one side of a proceeding being better represented than the other just because of a better access to technological hardware due to better resources. Equality in proceedings can, to a greater extent, be maintained with hard copies because at the end of the day, the proliferation of printing and the internet has gone into practically every part of the world. And it's much easier today to get something printed than to have constant access to power in the internet for a long haul proceeding or hearing or trial. So in terms of equal access to justice, while it may seem a bit excitable to make the argument, there is a there is a point to be made that within cultural practices, as well as frankly, availability of resources, hard copy submissions are just something that are easily spread about. And until a time comes where technological advancement is equally distributed with equity around the world, mandating electronic submissions may actually be a form of denial of justice in a, shall we say, exaggerated sense a little bit. I think it's a very fair point you raise. I mean, yes, you, I can see why you're saying it can be exaggerated. Perhaps it's it's not the most important point or, or, or most realistic. But, you know, it, it is a point because I think, you know, there's so many aspects of arbitration that are, that are already unequal. For example, the cost of legal representation. So do we need to add, you know, another issue on there with the unequal access to technology? So I think uh, I think it's a very fair point that you raise, Soham. Erwin, what do you have to say to Soham's argument? I hear Soham's argument uh, and access to means to present your case is very important. That being said, uh, it's rare that the um, your client would provide you with only the original documents. Usually it will be copies or electronic versions and those require electricity. So... I mean, if the client does not have electricity and does not have all the originals because the project is located elsewhere from their legal headquarters, then that's already an issue. And also, uh, I don't know that's done often, but you will need electricity to review documents and prepare your submissions. Unless you're doing them on a typewriter, then I suppose you need electricity. And again, to print hard copies, you also need electricity. So... I hear Soham's point, but I think hard copies are are not uh, at an advantage with electronic versions uh, of submissions. I think an important point to bear in mind here is that, yes, for the intermittent preparation of these documents in every step of the way, electricity is needed and access to technology is needed. But when you say that it's pure electronic copies all the way through with no space availability for hard copies, what you're also mandating is that during proceedings, during hearings, during trials, there will be no evidence of hard copies uh, or use of hard copies. And that is where differences in technological availability will make themselves known because you would essentially be wasting a tribunal's time if you happen to be conducting your arbitration in a jurisdiction that has intermittent access to electricity and in the middle of the hearing, the lights go out. And then what are you going to do if everything is in electronic form? Uh, Which is a very real concern that does arise in many parts of the world. Um, And aside from that, the other point to be raised is it is not a presupposition that a client will only will most likely provide documents in electronic format first. 
more often than not, the best that a client can do, particularly for lower value arbitrations, which do make up the bulk of arbitrations that occur in the world today, is at first clients will take photographs of their documents and send them over as WhatsApp texts or other kind of instant messaging in the first instance. And when it comes to the actual proceedings, they will usually send documents in the original hard copy to their lawyers or representatives' offices. The eventuality of pure electronic sharing of information of documents is something that only really occurs in a very, very quick sense in a corporate setting. And when you're dealing with in-person clients and individual and retail clients, that's rarely the case, at least in my experience. True, Sirhan, but the example you took of, you know, hearing and the light going out, even if you have hard copies, if the lights go out, you can't read them either. And in terms of photos and WhatsApp, I think it's very dangerous relying only on hard copies if you only provide the originals, because if you lose them and you've not scanned them using electricity and creating electronic versions of them, then they may be lost forever. Okay, guys. Well, our time is up for this episode and we would like to thank warmly Soham and Erwin for their dedication and time in preparing this podcast. Stay tuned for episode four, in which we will dive deeper in the arbitration procedure and focus on expert and witness preparation with our debaters answering the question, can video conferencing match in-person hearings? Until then, thank you for listening to our Arbitral Insights Greener Arbitrations podcast miniseries. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email arbitralinsights at reedsmith.com. To learn about the Reed Smith Arbitration Pricing Calculator, a first-of-its-kind mobile app that forecasts the cost of arbitration around the world, search Arbitration Pricing Calculator on reedsmith.com or download for free through the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, readsmith.com, and our social media accounts at LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.